0: Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth, I'm Coach Margaret,
1: and I'm Coach Victoria,
0: and today we're going to be talking about the danger of diagnosing your ex. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, Margaret, there's a lot of information out online with the internet, and so a lot of people become keyboard gurus, and all of a sudden want to diagnose their partner and get uh, really focused on trying to diagnose them. Mm -hmm. Right. And,
2: you know, we have no problem with the amount of uh, information that's available to you, and we have no problem with you looking at it, using it, and thinking about your partner in those terms. But even if you've gone to school for this stuff, diagnosis is tricky. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things you need to understand is that people can have... More than one diagnosis. And I've heard people say, well, how can he be this if he's really that? Oh, because you can have as many diagnoses as you want and need.
0: Okay? Particularly in, I would say, extreme cases too. Yes, exactly. Like sometimes it'll be really confusing if you've got somebody that maybe has is bipolar, Mm -hmm. but they're also borderline. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you... How do you figure Mm -hmm. out that? It's not easy.
1: Yeah, and people are so complex. There's millions of possibilities. Absolutely. And like I say, even if you're
2: trained, it's Mm -hmm. very difficult. Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about diagnosis and mental illnesses of various sorts. Okay. I'm going to start with the major mental illnesses. A major mental illness can make you break with reality, and that's called psychosis. Mm -hmm. If you say somebody's psychotic, it means that they have lost contact with reality in some aspect of their thinking or their understanding. Okay? Mm -hmm. And the diagnoses that can make that happen, the most common, believe it or not, is major depression, Mm -hmm. which can bring on psychotic Psychotic features. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it's very common. And way too many people, including therapists, if somebody starts to hear voices, assume they have schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. okay? Actually, schizophrenia is pretty rare, all right? Major depression is not. And the danger of major depression is that it can lead eventually to people being suicidal, okay? So just be aware of that, that depression gets a bad name. It doesn't mean people are being lazy. It's not a weakness. It's not that there's something wrong with you or you're doing it for just because you don't want to go to work or mm-hmm. deal with the world. Major depression leaves you with no energy to do, any, do anything. And the most common phrase that you hear from people is, well, if you just got out and did something, you would feel much better. What the family doesn't understand is that the person doesn't have the energy okay and if you have any serious depression usually medication is necessary and helpful okay and that's the thing with major mental illnesses usually in order to recover from them you need medication so the first thing we'll talk about is the major depression and then there is bipolar disorder which unfortunately is very common bipolar disorder is a mood disorder okay And you can be perfectly happy and having a good time one minute and be in the absolute depths of depression ten minutes later. Okay, which is extremely confusing to the person who has it and certainly to the people around them. Yeah. The other thing that can happen if you have bipolar disorder is that people end up almost being afraid of you. Because most people with bipolar disorder all of a sudden, go into rages mm. that oftentimes they don't fully remember later. Okay, yeah. and they can yell at you brilliantly. They can find your weakest spots and put that into their tirade. They're very good at it. And then afterwards, they say, "Well, I didn't say all those things." Well, yes, you did. Um, but sometimes, you know, in reality, they don't remember it. Yeah. And bipolar disorder causes people to do many, many crazy things. Because if you're at the high end of bipolar disorder, you feel like you're on top of the world, everything's working in your favor, and nothing can go wrong. Mm. And I can tell you with some authority that that's what happens to many bipolar people who end up in prison. Okay? They robbed the bank that day, but they were in a manic state and didn't think they'd get caught. All right? I worked with one guy who had flown a plane under a bridge in Boston um, and didn't know why anybody was upset with him mm. for doing that. All right, So people can do crazy things, destructive things, they don't really mean to. The trick with bipolar disorder is medication. It's the only treatment that works for bipolar disorder. And many people don't want to take the medication, which is understandable, because bipolar disorder, when you're on the way toward the up end of it, can make you feel wonderful. And if you take the medication, it brings you back to the middle where you don't feel quite as good. Yeah. All right.
1: And as a partner, I think you'd also have to consider all of these things about helping your partner adhere to medication.
2: Absolutely. Also,
1: the unpredictability in a partner can be a challenge.
2: Absolutely. There's nothing more difficult
0: than living with someone who's bipolar. Mm -hmm. Ask me how I know.
2: Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. Craig, how do you
2: know about bipolar?
0: (laughs) My stepdad was bipolar. Yes. And he would get very violent and punch holes in the wall, flip the furniture, disappear for days at a time, mm-hmm. quit his job because the boss said something that hurt his feelings a little mm-hmm. bit, even though he'd be making a, a great amount of money. Yep. All kinds of erratic, yep. bizarre behavior. He'd be screaming about the, at the TV. I'm not even going to tell you some of the obscenities he mm-hmm. said. I think i've told you mm-hmm. yeah uh he'd be watching godfather movies over and over and over again oh. like i think fantasizing about Aww. living out those i mean yeah, yeah so really playing out those fantasies yeah right? uh yeah. so yeah.
2: yeah bipolar is a terribly difficult thing to live with if one of your loved ones has it
1: And you also have to think of how many different life events affect a person without bipolar disorder's mood, Mm -hmm. thinking about weather changes, hormonal changes, changes in scheduling. So many of these seemingly small changes can make a major impact on somebody with bipolar disorder. So as a partner of one, it's very important to think about those things as well.
2: And the other things bipolar people can do is they can get into spending money when in the manic state.
1: And Mm -hmm. I've always
2: felt like the home shopping club is not in favor of eradicating Mm -hmm. bipolar because (laughs) I remember working in agencies and knowing that if somebody suddenly got into buying stuff, On the Home Shopping Network, they were in the beginning of a manic episode. So it's not easy. And there are probably very few bipolar people in the world who aren't tempted to stop the medication. Because Mm -hmm. again, when you start to go up toward the upper end of bipolar, the disease tells you you don't need the medication.
0: That's the big problem.
2: That's the big Mm -hmm. problem. Is
0: that they start taking the medication, they do well, it's helping them, and then they say... I don't need the medication. I don't need the medication, exactly. I'm good, I'm fixed. I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine. And then what happens, Margaret? Yeah, you have to, some
2: patient therapist has to say, but you were doing well because you were Mm -hmm. taking the medication. And I don't blame anybody. It's not amusing to have to acknowledge that you have something so serious. Yeah. You need to depend on medication. So be as angry and annoyed about it as you need to be. Just take it.
1: Yeah, Okay. and I can also see somebody coming out of a depressive state when they're unmotivated, unproductive, when they do start to get manic and more productive, it might be... Looks like they're great. Yeah, it might be very difficult to start taking medication that will not get them to that productivity level as they would need after a depressive episode.
2: I remember having a family where the father had bipolar and so did the son. And the father made a sudden leap of what looked like progress. And I said to the son, is he better or is he working up to a manic episode? Mm -hmm. He said, he's working up to a manic episode, and he was absolutely right. Because on the way up, you look good. Mm -hmm. The other problem is that often if someone goes to a psychiatrist and they're in a bipolar depression, it looks exactly the same as a regular major depression. And so you would prescribe medication for depression Instead of a mood stabilizer, and if we do that, it sends the person. If we miss it and we think they're just depressed, um, it can send an antidepressant can send them into a manic state. Okay, so it's a terrible mistake that we easily make because I think in our in our zeal to be helpful, it seems that people who have regular depression are going to do better, and we don't want to wish bipolar on them. But there are certain questions you can ask that will help you understand if they've ever had a manic episode. Do you ever go on spending sprees? Do you ever feel like you're on top of the world and do crazy things you get in trouble for? Um, So there are some general patterns you can ask for when you're trying to figure out if you have a major depression or a bipolar depression, but it's very difficult. So just know how how complicated and tricky this is. And again, we remember within the last 50 or 60 years when we didn't have medication for bipolar disorder. We had it for schizophrenia but we didn't have it for bipolar disorder. And the discovery of medication that would work was just a miracle that occurred to us human beings. I can remember working with people whose parents would be hospitalized periodically Mm -hmm. with bipolar disorder, which which doesn't have to happen anymore if only you'll take the meds. Okay?
1: Yeah, and too, if you're suffering from these symptoms, it's important to remember that A label, it doesn't give you the diagnosis to be diagnosed with bipolar. It's just a descriptor of symptoms that have been identified in many people, and there's treatments that have been found to be helpful. So if you are concerned about yourself, it's much better to go to a professional, see if you can find somebody that can help you to find a label. No matter how you feel about labels, it might point you to a treatment that can help.
2: Yes, and that's a, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we do we as human beings do the best we can to describe some of the symptoms people have. And I'm going to talk about it again in a few minutes and talk about the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which we all read for pleasure, of course. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. So that's bipolar. Schizophrenia, um, which is the first major mental illness we began to understand in the history of all this. Um, Schizophrenia is a huge major mental illness that is a thought disorder. You can't get your thoughts together, and if you do, they don't make any sense.
0: It's like scrambled eggs. Mm -hmm. It's
2: like scrambled eggs. You had a great example, I don't know if it comes to mind right away, of a woman who made no sense.
0: Yeah, I've I've only seen... like a break like that one time in person that it was just unbelievable it was a client that I was working with sister and she had just gotten out of jail and I was like how are you doing and she just starts talking to me like normal and like mid-sentence she just starts saying all kinds of things like and then Batman was there and he threw his shoe at me and then I tried to bite his nipple and just like It, and then he tried to fart on me. I, I'm not even. This is like the best I can come up with the yes. order that it was like yes. all in a row, just nonsense. And I was just like, whoa, where did we go? And I just. Oh, okay, well, it's good to see you, and I'm happy that you're yes, home. I'm and glad you're doing better. And yeah. totally calm. And,
2: and I don't know if you took your meds this morning. <laughs> yeah.
0: But when it happened, it was very surreal mm. to it see It is somebody. surreal,
2: and they could perf- people can look and sound perfectly normal until you realize the sentence made no sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Many, many schizophrenic people hear voices, and it's really odd to see someone who's hearing voices because they kind of stop and finally you can see that they're listening to something inside. Mm. And sometimes voices can be really hostile and say you're a terrible person, you always have been, and again medication will clear that up pretty quickly. Those were our first triumphs on medication. The other thing is that paranoia is often a part of schizophrenia. And that can be subtle or it can be absolutely blatant. Um, There are some examples that almost sound funny, but I've heard them. I am picking up messages from the ships off the coast through the fillings in my teeth. Mm -hmm. I could not have made that up. Mm -hmm. Okay, I honestly heard that at one point. Mm -hmm. And so people can get quite oddly paranoid. People can get paranoid in a manic state also. But you're, when you're in a really paranoid state, it's a psychotic symptom, whether it comes from a mood disorder or a thought disorder. Okay. Paranoia, however, can look perfectly reasonable. I remember working with somebody, somebody in the prison system um, who was truly convinced um, that he had been poisoned all of his life by detergent. Mm. And that the reason he was hospitalized and had committed some illegal acts was because he had been poisoned by his detergent. And when he would explain that to you, it made a certain amount of sense for the first 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you began to realize this is really crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay? Um, so if the aliens are in the refrigerator and talking about your mother, it's just not a good thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right? Um,
1: And I also wanted to add, I think there's a very big stigma with -hmm. with schizophrenia in general. And people are afraid. They feel like these people are out to hurt them. When in reality, a lot of people with schizophrenia, they are the ones who are afraid.
2: They are the ones, yes. And
1: they don't feel safe.
2: Yep. And schizophrenia, we have such good medications for now. Perfectly reasonable people that you may work with may be taking an antipsychotic drug every day to keep them out of of that. I worked with someone who was very high-functioning and I respected professionally um, who had taken uh, an antipsychotic for years because she would have episodes, okay? Um, So yes, schizophrenics are not necessarily scary people, Mm. but they're scared oftentimes, right? Because they have no way to defend themselves or to think of defending themselves. So those are the major mental illnesses. Um, Also post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder. There are many other things that are different from personality disorders that aren't the same as the major mental illnesses I just described to you. All right, and there were three big ones the depression, the bipolar, the schizophrenia and there's one more called schizoaffective disorder and that means that you have a mix of schizophrenia thought disorder and bipolar mood disorder and I'll have people often tell me to this day well my mother was diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia and that was before we understood that there is a condition that's a mix of the two Called schizoaffective disorder, and that is easily medicated these days, also. Okay? I'm going to move on now to personality disorders, okay, which don't make you psychotic, um, but can cause you real problems in your life and make you very difficult to understand and deal with. Also, I'm going to make some mention of the history of mental health treatment. We are now on the s- Fifth manual for diagnosis um, since I've been in the business. Okay? So we change the way we describe mental illness periodically. And usually it's an improvement as we learn more and more over the years. The first of the personality disorders that we began to talk about was in the 1950s, the late 1950s, and the early 1960s. And a lot of it happened in private hospitals in Boston, where I'm from, um, that that people began to see that people would be hospitalized, sometimes for being suicidal, sometimes for cutting themselves, sometimes for hearing voices. And yet they didn't appear to have full-blown schizophrenia. And they might have a brief episode and then go back to being anything but psychotic. So that condition was named borderline because you lived sort of on the borderline between psychotic and not psychotic, okay? And that term is still with us, and most people are somewhat familiar with the term now. Um, Borderline, which often means that you're very erratic, your moods can change quickly, your view of the world can change quickly, but your biggest issue in the whole world is being abandoned. You desperately want relationships And you're desperately afraid of being abandoned. So you can do really crazy things. Um, I remember a woman telling me not long ago um, that she went off with a guy she knew was absolutely dangerous and had even threatened her because she couldn't manage the thought of his abandoning her. Okay, Borderlines are the most talked about of the personality disorders. There are the most hospitals in the world that advertise treating borderline personality disorder because they annoy and make other people crazy, mm-hmm. okay? Um, there is help for borderline personality disorder. I once worked with a psychiatrist who I think fully understood that it is the end of, edge of psychosis and would give the guys in the prison a really low dose of an antipsychotic and they would do much, much better. Okay, Um, so borderline is the first one that was attached, and we had no concept back then in the late 50s and early 60s that all of the personality disorders have to do with attachment. Okay, no matter which one it is, they have to do with attachment. Um, Narcissistic personality disorder, which is all the rage right now and inspired by talking about this. Um, is the other one that we hear the most about. Um, but those are personality disorders. They're not major mental illnesses. You can have bipolar disorder and still be either borderline or narcissistic. Okay, the, the major mental illnesses are an imbalance of chemicals in the brain. All right, Personality disorders come from how you grow up and what your attachment experiences are. The earliest developmental arrest results in narcissism. Okay? The normal process of growing up is mom takes care of baby, mama, whoever the caretaker is, and eventually baby fully understands that this person is taking care of them and falls in love with this person, thereby beginning their relationships with people outside themselves. For people who turn out to be narcissistic, that never happens. And we have to conclude that their care was so inconsistent that they never fell in love with that first caretaker. And that is how you create a narcissist who cannot see anybody else's point of view or feel anybody else's feelings because they didn't have the first building block of where that happens. Okay? Borderlines are developmentally arrested slightly later. And they start to fall in love with mom, and then something interrupts the process. Okay? So you can see how those two things are attachment disorders. Okay? Something goes wrong in the upbringing. And you know, you can't always blame mom or the family. People can be in wartime, people can be ill. There can be a pandemic. There could have been the Black Plague. Uh, There are all kinds of crazy things that can happen. But if these things do happen to an infant, it's very hard to repair it. It's possible, but it's very hard. Okay? And so, um, all of this information is on the computer now. And the one that you're seeing the most often is the characteristics of a narcissist. All right? And I have had... Many people very correctly diagnose um, their boyfriend as a narcissist. But I want to be clear that men are not the only people who can be narcissistic. Women can be too. And we notice it particularly in couples, particularly where there's domestic violence. Okay? And as a result of that, we have been, as a field, very angry at narcissists for being abusive. And when that happens, we don't work as hard as we should at how to treat them. But that is beginning to change. And the more we understand early life and early experience, the better we do at treating people with personality disorders. And in the beginning, when we were first beginning to understand, nobody knew that this was connected with early experience. And I remember great confusion and some really ugly articles that were written in the beginning about women borderlines and Mm -hmm. how cruel they were and how crazy they were and what's wrong with them anyway. Now we understand, but in the beginning we didn't at all. And some people wanted to toss out the diagnosis because it was so pejorative to women. But now again, we better understand that there are borderline men and there are narcissistic women. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with you looking up all these things on the computer. Uh, But the part that most people miss is that you don't have to have only one diagnosis. I can be as bipolar as I want and narcissistic as well. Okay? So it's not... Just one diagnosis. And I'll have people say to me, well, but she was diagnosed borderline. How can she be bipolar too? Easy. Okay? (laughs) You're not limited to one diagnosis. Mm -hmm. All right? And that's what makes diagnosis difficult, even if you're trained. But again, don't feel that you shouldn't look at the information. You can. But if you can't make sense out of it, please consult a professional.
1: I also wanted to add that certain cultures, I'll say specifically black and brown people, I would say in America, are often misdiagnosed due to how the race is perceived. So I wanted to add that cultural component too, as far as diagnosis, to be aware of.
2: Now, I don't know if I shared this case with you, but there was a very good example of it in some of the reading I did for my most recent license. And it was a story of an not in a good mood black woman who came into a clinic and she needed a sign off from somebody in the mental health clinic to get public housing Mm. and she came in and she was not in a good mood and she didn't want to share a lot of information and she started to talk to a very young probably not terribly experienced therapist um, who just thought she was angry and resistant and the woman got angrier and angrier, and you could see it occurred mm-hmm. to the woman that you don't like me because I'm black, and it escalated to a point where it never should have, and she ended up being diagnosed as schizophrenic, wow. um, which of course was absolutely a disaster. And you're, I think mm-hmm. that's a good example of how things can play out. Mm-hmm. Okay, now had that interview been handled differently, um, you know, it could have turned out totally differently. Um, you know, where where are you planning to move and, and who told you you have to get a sign off and what does the letter need to say and all that sort of thing. But as it turned out, she was then forwarded on to a therapist, of course, with the wrong diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the things I wanted to say, too, is that, you know, obviously there's a lot of information out there, um, a lot by people in the field, a lot by people that don't have any education right. or experience. Right. Anybody could just start a YouTube channel. And start talking about mental health when they really have no education or experience behind it. And that's kind of dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's similar, it just kind of reminds me of like when you're sick yeah mm-hmm. and what do you do you go on and you look at <laughs> the symptoms up the, yeah you call and the mayo
2: clinic <laughs> on your You're
0: three computer. symptoms in and you're like great i have cancer mm-hmm. and i've got two weeks to live and tuberculosis <laughs> right. too yeah. you, st- you go on there and you just see a couple of symptoms and automatically you catastrophize and think that it's something bigger than it is mm-hmm. or you start to panic yeah. and so i think the same thing goes with the diagnosing absolutely
2: and just just for your general information i want to let you know with each dsm diagnostic and statistical manual things are defined a little differently Mm
1: -hmm.
2: okay so we we change our mind occasionally and we keep doing our best to describe what we see and i can think of some diagnoses that i thought were wonderful and never should have been dropped but have been Um, and there are some new ones but at least at the moment There are 10 personality disorders, and they're divided into several
0: clusters. Margaret has eight of these. Yes, I have
2: all eight. No, I have all 10. Don't sell me short. And want to see me go into a borderline rage? Just push me. Um, All right, the first cluster, cluster A, is about odd, bizarre, and eccentric behavior. There is a paranoid personality disorder. Okay, It doesn't reach the, the level of psychosis. It doesn't reach the level of schizophrenia, but it's a kind of a chronic paranoid view of the world. And I can remember talking with a woman not all that long ago who was sure that the public's grocery stores had, everyone had informed her, had informed each other in the public's stores that she would come in and cash checks and sometimes she bounced one, and she fully believed that. All right? It wasn't quite psychotic. It was personality disorder stuff. all right. Um, schizoid. Um, and that means you have no affect. For anyone who's old enough to remember, Richard Nixon was always considered schizoid because it was very articulate and he could tell you this and that, but there was no emotion anywhere in it. So if you're schizoid, you have no, no emotion. And schizotypal means you're extremely eccentric. Um, and that you live in a strange way and that nobody quite knows what to do with you. And when I was working in a clinic one time, we had a schizotypal guy who came in, and I managed to find a rather unusual psychologist to treat him, and they did fine. But he did things like he was walking through the waiting room one day and said, I used to be a fireman. I think I'll show you how to rescue people, and picked me up. Now, I am not a small woman. I never have been. So we were impressed with his prowess. Um, Okay? Cluster B is dramatic or erratic sorts of personalities. There's antisocial personality disorder, where people have little guilt about some of the sort of marginal things they do. These are people who can shoplift without any guilt at all. um, Or or do other sort of slightly sleazy things. Again, it doesn't hit the level of psychosis, but it's tricky. It's on the edge. Um, the next one is borderline, which is the biggest and most talked about. Then there's histrionic. Histrionic is kind of beyond belief. That's the most dramatic people in the world, which would have some overlap with borderline. Okay? These are people who can create incredible drama no matter where they go. All right, like they walk into a room and the whole room all starts fighting with each other, and you wonder how they did it. And the next. And they often
0: dress very eccentric. Yes, they do.
2: Yes, they do. Um, And the last one in that group is narcissistic. So borderline and narcissistic are the most annoying to others of the personality disorders. Okay, and there's one more cluster, cluster C, and that is people with avoidant personality disorder who just don't care if they ever see anybody else Um, dependent personality people who can't make any decision whatsoever and obsessive compulsive personality disorder who clean their house every day alright so I just wanted to make that clear so if you're if you're narcissistic you can be several other things at the same time and it's very very common with personality disorders that people have a trauma history Okay, Very, very common. And we did not know that in the old days. And now we know that if you're diagnosed as either borderline or narcissistic, you probably have attachment injuries and all sorts of abandonment failures in your background. Okay, and it's not your fault. No one ever chose to have a personality disorder. I have often thought about which one I'd prefer to have. (laughs) Um, And since it's all about me, I've decided I'd prefer narcissistic. There you go. And you better agree with me. (laughs) Of course I do. Of course you do. Okay. Um, All right. I don't think I have much more to say about this, but again, all the information out there is available to you and feel free to use it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: All right. Very in depth. Hopefully, it was helpful to you and gives you some stuff to think about. Um, Be careful about being quick to diagnose anybody. Right. 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 Um, Particularly when you're hurt and vulnerable and going through a breakup. right? Right.
2: Yeah, and if you wonder how someone's feeling, simply ask them, you know? Um, or you can ask them what feedback they get from other people. And that's another one of the problems. If you have a personality disorder, sometimes it's difficult for you to understand why other people walk away from you, mm. okay? Um, so you can ask people, do you, find, you know, do you find that sometimes you don't feel like people like you or, you know, you can ask all sorts of less threatening questions. It says, so, which personality disorder are you? (laughs) I know you're one, because you're obnoxious. In the literature, there was a a period when some really stuff I found terribly annoying was coming up. And we were all kind of angry as a field at personality disordered people, because they looked like they had a major mental illness, but the medication didn't work for them. And we almost blamed them and said, what's wrong with you? And we also were angry at them because they never seemed to quite understand and accept feedback as easily as we thought we should. And I remember being told in social work school, and this would have been early 80s, okay, that if you really find that you don't like a client, chances are they have a personality disorder. Now, what kind of a message is that? Okay, If I don't like you, chances are there's something wrong with you. Well, there could also be something wrong with me or both of us. That's another possibility. But to this day, there are therapists who will say they don't want to work with people who have a personality disorder because it's so difficult. We need to do better than that. Okay, So I just wanted to sort of toss that in. There are some people who will not embrace a personality disordered client.
1: But I think you make a good point about seeing a person as a person and not just their diagnosis. People are extremely complex and there's many dimensions to a person.
2: And the theory is always that personality disordered people are unlikable and that's absolutely Mm. not true unless I have really weird taste. (laughs) (laughs) Which is another possibility. As I look at the two people I work with. (laughs) You're here, aren't you?
0: All right, so hopefully you found this one helpful. Give Margaret a thumbs up for her research on this one. Obviously, she did a lot. And, of course, if you want to get our help personally, you can get it at my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. Of course, Margaret does Skype coaching. If you feel that I can be helpful, please sign up. And Coach Victoria will continue to be here. I'll be here. Training, and yeah. eventually you'll be able to do a call with her as well. Mm-hmm. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret.
1: And I'm Coach Victoria.
0: And we will talk with you soon. To get my help personally, go to AskCraig.net and click on Schedule Coaching and choose the option that works best for you. I do email coaching or Skype. To schedule a coaching with Margaret, click on Margaret on the top of the page and order a Skype with her. For the Knowledge Creative Healing Course, Click on the link at the top of the page and click Get Started Now.